Lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds has come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. Throws across his body, and he got him! Looking away, McCann around third, throw from the outfield is up the line, inside the park home run! He gone! And he makes a catch up against the wall. And he's going to watch it fly. Strike three called. He got him on strikes. Welcome to the Voice of the Turtle, a podcast feature of the Bless You Boys website. We are SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog, and you can find us online at blessyouboys.com, on Twitter at Bless You Boys, and also on Facebook at facebook.com slash byb.tigers. I'm your host, Hookslide. Rob Rojacki has the week off. Hopefully, Rob is soaking up the sun somewhere, solidly drunk and pantsless. Unlike me, I'm just pantsless. So that's, that's a thing that you know now, and you cannot unknow that throughout this show. So... Flying a podcast solo is, uh, it's got to be one of the most depressing and sad things I have ever done, and I vowed never to do it again. So with Rob on vacation this week, the voice of the turtle is being hijacked in the best way possible. I've asked the guys who run the Podcastianos to board the ship today, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. You can check out their show online at podcastianos.com. You can find them on Twitter at jordanhall23 and at Eric. It's a very smart, very funny Tigers podcast. I listen to it every week, so let the hilarity begin. Jordan, Eric, thanks for joining me. Hi. It's good to be here. Good to be on the show. You said the the best possible way. I feel like it's a bit of an overstatement, but we're we're glad to be here nonetheless. In the sense that you didn't forcibly take over the show, I'm not... Uh, you know, tied to a chair or anything like that. It's uh, it's by invitation. So, <laughs> well, the the that's good because the ropes would chafe your bare legs. That they would, I, yeah. I don't want to talk too much more about my bare legs because it's a, it's a family friendly show, for the most part. All right, we've got plenty to get to in this episode, and it's time to let the hijinks begin. We'll be talking about spring training, who's hot, who's going home. It's often the same category for some reason. We've got a game or two to play. We'll be discussing the worst commercials in existence. We'll take some listener questions, and I think we're even talking about minivans a bit later. Yeah, this is about to get crazy. So first, let's round the bases. Tiger's Twitter was wrong about something. We'll talk all about that when we get back from the break. Fly ball here to center. Way back in center. Deep. Gone. Whoa, Straightaway center to the camera well. Three run shot for Cabrera. As far as you'll see one hit here at Comerica Park. And the Tigers take a 3 nothing. All right, and welcome to the first segment, Rounding the Bases. Guess what? Tiger's Twitter was wrong about something. I know that's that's shocking, but before we get to what that means, guys, let's talk a little bit about the news that we heard this week. Uh, there's been this slew of players, prospects, young guys, guys we wanted to watch that have all been sent to minor league camp, including Joe Jimenez, Michael Fulmer, my favorite Michael Gerber, uh, Jacoby Jones got sent down. So I got to tell you guys, I'm annoyed. I am extremely annoyed because for me there's really only one reason to watch these spring training games and that's to watch the prospects i mean what else are you watching for and now they're all gone so for the next week we've got to get by on the likes of lendy castillo and some other names that i can't even recall and don't know anyway are you guys as annoyed as i am no 
No, obviously not. In fact, I'm delighted. <laughs> okay. I'm delighted that these are guys are being sent down because it means that we do not need them. If we needed these guys, these younger guys, that would mean we're in bad shape. But we have older guys who are better and they're going to be playing for the Tigers and not any of these guys who would otherwise be rushed. Why is Lendy Castillo still on the roster if Joe Jimenez is not? Lendy? How, how did this guy get his name? He's just like, he had a, na- a neighbor who liked to borrow a lot of stuff. Or like, <laughs> I have no idea. Lendy? Lendy. Yeah, that, that's who we're dealing with in spring training right now. What about you, Jordan? Are you, are you at least mildly annoyed that it's not nearly as fun anymore? Um, I, I'm not either. I, I kind of look at it from a deve- de- developmental uh, standpoint. Like, what, what do these guys need most? And realistically, getting getting as few reps as they have in in big league camp probably isn't the the best for them. Get them down to minor league camp and just let them let them play. Uh, so I, I know it's not quite as fun for us to watch, but maybe maybe the long the long haul would would have us send them down there and just get them acclimated. And even though these guys are going down, it does not eliminate the possibilities that we're going to see some prospects. Like, remember Devin Travis a few years ago? It was late in the spring, and he hit this monster bomb. And everybody's like, who is this kid? And it was Devin, Devin Travis, and this is like tiny little dude walloping a home run. So you still get to see some, some fresh faces. Yeah, that, that's true, and it seems like later on, uh, you know, in, we're kind of in the in the middle of spring here, where we're getting guys the the reps that they need, and then towards the end of spring, they kind of scale back the Miggies and the JDs, and I think we'll see the reintroduction of some of those guys. Um, just they're not, you know, quote unquote, in yeah. camp. Cam Gibson played the other day. Yes, he I did. Mean, that that's cool. He did something good too, didn't he? Like hit a triple or a double or something. Nobody's going to look it up. Just tell them what they did. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Cam Gibson (laughs) went four for four with a single double, a home run and uh, six stolen bases. Nobody's, nobody's fact checking this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Good. Fair enough. Uh, No, my, my audience is absolutely fact checking. They cannot wait to get on Twitter and tell me, no, you were wrong about that. So (laughs) yes, they are. I'm just, I, I guess I'm struggling with the, with the logic of it though, because, you take a guy like, say, Michael Fulmer, you know, he's got an opportunity over the next week or two, week and a half, whatever it is that's left, to actually square off against some major league talent. I just don't see the value in, again, I keep going back to Lindy Castillo because that's the only name I can remember, but any of these guys, uh, Kensington or Valdez or whoever, what's the value of these guys getting those reps over some of these bigger prospects going down now and not getting that experience? I think something that you'll see, um, we've already started to see it, Um, some of the starters are going four and five, and we're going to see them maybe go six at some point, so there's going to be fewer back end of the game innings to go around, Um, so unless you're you're playing on throwing Falmer for like one in or something, there just isn't as many reps to go around, even though, you know, guys like like Lendy are are getting an inning here and there. Um, I think Gil, no, Gilmet's gone. Um, Logan Kensing, he's the one that's that's stuck around too. That's, you know, <laughs> we might need him at some point this year. I'm sure we'll stick him Drake down in Britain? Toledo. Drake Drake's gone, I believe. <laughs> no. They they sent him out of camp. Drake well, that Britain. <laughs> Say the name again. It makes me king giggle. of the Britons. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that would explain some of that. I just, I miss seeing some of these guys. It's not nearly as fun now that, that, uh, someone like Joe Jimenez is not going to be pitching. So I know they'll be back. I'm sure we'll see a lot of these guys come back up in the September call-ups and, and that kind of thing. But for now it's uh spring training starting to suck big time, <laughs> except we had this game yesterday and uh, Justin Verlander pitched. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. If my memory is correct, he pitched yesterday. I kind of ha- slept through like half of that game. So it's it's kind of part of the fog. It's part of the mist. He looked great as far as I could tell, except when he was dealing with Bryce Harper. But that's probably true of pretty much any major league pitcher that you want to talk about. Uh, he looked great in the start before that. He seems like he's got his command back. He's got the, the breaking balls are breaking the way they're supposed to. Let's talk a little bit about Verlander. How do you guys feel about the situation? Is he building on what he ended the season with last year? Are you feeling confident that he's back to being the ace? I think so. Uh, you said it exactly right. I mean, the end of last year, he got the ball rolling again. He needs some velocity to be the type of pitcher he's accustomed to being. And the velocity came back, and I think he's going to pick up right where he left off. He's had a full offseason of normal training, much like Cabrera finally did too. And I think it's going to be good. I think it's on how you how you look at him. Like, I mean, we're never going to probably see that mid-20s Verlander again, you know, when he was throwing 99 into the ninth, if we can like get accustomed to seeing a really, really good Verlander, then I think that one is in fact back. Hopefully. You're not I mean, predicting more MVP seasons. Most, Gosh, most, most likely not. Don't, don't tweet him that. Uh, I want to say on, on JV's good no. side. No, he'll come right back at you. If you tweet things like that, he'll, <laughs> I've seen him do it. <laughs> like he's actually tweeted things back out, like be a better fan to people that are ragging on him. So yeah, I would uh, stay away from the man if you can. What does, but what does, okay. He's not going to win the MVP. He's not going to win the Cy Young. I don't think um, I've actually got Chris sale pegged for that for some reason. I don't know, but what does a season of Verlander that comes close to MVP slash Cy Young, what does that look like? Well, I don't think Sale's going to win it without the leadership of Drake LaRoche. <laughs> Come on. How, how could he? I mean, he's got to carry a lot of freight without Drake on his side. <laughs> I'm not going to. And that, that frame is not, not built to carry any sort of freight whatsoever. <laughs> no, no. You don't even invite Chris Sale over when you're moving because he's going to take like the box of. You know, paper towels or something. You just not gonna lift even half of a dresser. Yeah, when there's a strong wind out, he's not your guy. No, and you know what? He'll he'll hurt himself carrying the box of paper towels and then be mad at you. He will yeah. have a whole red faced tirade to tell you exactly why that was your fault. Right. It was the guy. What with was binoculars. the question? Was there a question? What uh, is what? Yeah. What does Verlander look like? Yes. It's thicker than sail. I don't know. Um, <laughs> For me, a good start would be, you know, making all of it, making all of the starts. Um, he missed a few last year. Um, you know, uh, we, we, I feel like I talk about this all the time, but the thing that I love most in pitchers is when you know that they t- they're going to take the ball and they're going to give you six or seven innings that keep you in the game. Like if he can do that, you know, nine times out of 10, I'd take that from Verlander. That, that would be back for me. I mean, Jordan's big, a big number of innings pitched guy. I am. It's it's You're uncomfortable, all about, but all about the guys that can eat the innings. Yeah. Mm. Well, but this is the thing about Verlander that now that he, the Tigers have this sort of 
seventh, eighth, ninth inning bullpen lineup of Wilson and Lowe and uh, K Rod and whoever else is going to kind of you know pitch in there. And Verlander has had problems in the last couple of years, and granted, some of that's due to his injury, but he's had issues with getting into the seventh inning and starting to kind of fall apart. Do you think he's going to see a whole lot of seventh, eighth innings this year, or is uh, Brad Osmus going to pull the trigger early? It depends what the bullpen looks like. Hopefully, the bullpen is better. And I think a, a full—oh, go ahead, sorry. No, especially early on, I don't want any of our guys, but especially Verlander, like, overtaxed. Like, the first two, three weeks, if they're giving you six, you know, maybe seven, you make the move, even if he's looking strong. Like, there's, it's a long season. Why do we need to push these guys? Absolutely. And hopefully because he, like we said, he had the full off season to get right. Hopefully that'll let him come into the season a little bit stronger. And maybe we'll see him get into those sixth, seventh, eighth innings a little bit more frequently. Okay, I'm going to go way off script here. I didn't put this in the show notes, so guys don't freak out. But as long as we're kind of going that way on that topic, how are you feeling about the state of the bullpen? And I'm speaking specifically of, you know, we've seen K-Rod come out there a couple times. The changeup looks really good. Think It looks like that could be a weapon for him this year, as it was last year. Uh, Mark Lowe has kind of been up and down, but his last outing was apparently very, very good. Justin Wilson's struggling again today. He struggled. He struggled to get the velocity. He struggled to locate the pitches. He gave up the tying and go ahead and eventual winning runs today. I know it's spring training, but I see I'm one of these guys that kind of lives in the middle between spring training means nothing. And yeah, it does have at least some value in what you're seeing. How do you, how are you feeling about the bullpen as it stands? Well, we're in a position again where one or two or three of the kids needs to step up yet, right? I mean, it's got to be Verhagen, although he's not quite a kid, but, I mean, he's a younger guy. Kyle Ryan, um, you know. Bruce Rondone. Rondone. One of these kind of question mark guys is going to be there and pitch some meaningful innings. I mean, we just can't get away from that. We don't have, I mean, Alex Wilson's hurt. Blaine has been stinky that's a that's a that's a sabermetric term that's right. <laughs> so we need we need one of these like maybes to be a yes yeah and i think justin wilson is better than than he's i mean he was great last year and i i read something and i, I i'm sorry i can't you know cite who it was but he was talking about him either adding a slider or a, a cutter to his repertoire right and i'm uh i do you know which off the top of your head? Uh, no, and I don't really care. That's I'm just going to be honest with you. Somebody Fair enough. It, so no. And I'm hoping that a lot of his um, troubles have been trying to work in this thing that's not his forte, hmm. which, you know, I, I don't know. That, that could be complete nonsense. But um, that's what I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And Blaine Hardy, uh, you know, always willing to defend Blaine. He's been home run bitten a lot this spring. It is really easy to hit the ball out of Joker Marchant, especially when the wind is blowing. So I half give him a pass that some of these homers are, you know, long, loud outs at Comerica. Fingers crossed. You know, the best, most consistent reliever of the Tigers for the last two years has been Blaine Hardy. Yeah. I, I love Blaine Hardy. Okay. Without doubt. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play devil's advocate then because okay. Blaine Hardy had a bit of a slide in the second half last year. The first half, he was a solid piece in the in the bullpen. Second half, it kind of fell off a little bit. Are we seeing just some kind of weird spring training anomaly? Or is... yes, we are. We have blind faith 
do not present us with numbers or <laughs> rational arguments to contradict the skill set of Blaine Hardy. Yeah, you, you yeah. Have really, both of you have really strong feelings about Blaine. <laughs> have you guys hung out together? What's the deal there? Total Blainiacs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. I, just, I just love Blaine. I mean, did he buy you a beer at one he's, point? No, what? he's next in the in the Coke Lupu oh, no. lineage. Oh no, it's Blaine. <laughs> I I've ruined poor Blaine. Yeah, and and getting back to you know some of the guys that are maybes that we need to be yeses. It could just be blind faith, but I have a lot of faith in Verhagen. Um, the stuff is there. Like he hits spots, he throws hard. Um, all of the all the pieces are there to be a really good bullpen arm. And I, it seems like he came into into camp this year in good shape. Like it's everything seems squared away. And not that that always means that it happens, but I feel like all of the all the the warning signs are there. The good warning signs, whatever that phrase would be, are there for him to have a, have a really nice year. Okay, well let's talk. Let's talk about the second half of that dynamic duo then, because it was Hardy and Alex Wilson last year that were the dependable arms. Alex Wilson is completely MIA at this point. I know he had some injury issues, and then he was in rehab, and I, maybe there was a drug addiction in there somewhere. I don't even know what's going on because I haven't heard Jack or Squat about what he's even doing right now. I, I, honestly, I didn't do any research on Alex Wilson before this show, so there's that. He- he threw again yesterday, maybe just like some long toss in her. Maybe it wasn't even a long toss. It was like medium <laughs> toss. Let's not rush it. But uh, the race is on for him to be ready. And that's a race he's probably not going to win. He just doesn't have enough time. Chris McCoskey from the Detroit News actually did look this up. He th- uh, said he, speaking of Alex Wilson, threw a 27 pitch bullpen Monday. Oh, okay. That's today. Yeah, today. Uh, he'll, he's scheduled to throw a live bullpen session to, to hitters on Thursday. And if all every, if everything goes well, hopefully pitch in a spring training game on Sunday. Not that that really tells you anything, but that's kind of his timetable. Jordan, knowing things. Or did you make that up? No, that's, <laughs> it's, it's Google. <laughs> Jordan's dropping truth bombs early in the podcast here. And what, what is a live bullpen session? What does that even mean? You're throwing... Uh, you're throwing like you would to a batter, but there's a cage. I mean, so it's essentially there's no defenders. You're just throwing your your stuff to a hitter. They can swing. You're behind an L screen. The, That's way less exciting than I was hoping. I thought there was going to be like animals running around or something. Like, gosh, that's the dream. That would yeah. be awesome. I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd watch. I'd watch that over most spring training games. <laughs> Throw this curveball while we set free this flock of chickens, and see what you can do. Uh, you said he's possibly going to pitch on Sunday. That's what Chris says. And, okay. you know, him and I are, are buddies. We text back and forth. You, Chris, I mean, it, that's, that's a joke. I, I don't. Yeah, you, Chris and Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but still, I mean, it's going to be a, a race for him to be ready. Or yeah. do you think he's going to be ready? I, I personally don't. No, I can't see how he can possibly be ready when there's only two weeks left of, of spring training. Will Victor, be, will Victor get, be ready? Oh, geez. I'm that's not another race. One. Victor. Victor. Nope. All right. No, the thing about Victor is, and Eric, you and I are going to go toe to toe on this one because I know you said on Twitter you feel like he's like the critical piece, and I disagree with that. And I know we're going to get to Anibal Sanchez in, in a minute, but if I had to choose between those two guys, if somebody said, okay, one of those two is not going to be available for the rest of 2016, I would pick Victor to be the odd man out over Alex Wilson. No, over Anibal Sanchez. Oh, I was Alex say. Wilson. <laughs> I totally like did a left turn there. Yeah, um, I was gonna say. I, I know you're wrong, but I didn't know you're that wrong. 
Just, just kidding. Just, I love you, Hook. You don't even know how wrong I can be. Oh. <laughs> we haven't plumbed the depths no. of incorrectness. Oh yet. my goodness, no. Well, I mean, it's it's a decent segue though, because the same question applies to Anibal Sanchez. We're talking about Alex Wilson, sort of not really, probably not going to be ready for the start of spring, and I think the the upside to that, as Tigers fans right now, is saying that's okay. We don't need him. He's not uh, a critical piece of the bullpen like he was last year. He's going to be necessary for some depth, but if he's not ready to go for the first two, three weeks of April, that's probably going to be okay, as long as Lendy Castillo is not the first man out. <laughs> but the same question applies to Anibal Sanchez, who finally pitched a game. Uh, today was, in fact, he, from all accounts, I listened to it on the radio, didn't get a chance to see it on television because they're not streaming that, apparently. Uh, but he did very well today. A lot of weak contact. He faced 12, 13, he got... 13 batters, I think, and only gave up one walk uh, through something like three or four strikeouts in four innings. So it sounded like things were going okay. On the other hand, it's kind of a late start to his spring training. Is he going to need most of April to kind of get ready? Is he going to be hot garbage in April? What's the situation with Sanchez? You know, it's weird, and I, have, I shouldn't probably think this, but I almost trust him more than I would one of the other fifth starter candidates. Just because he's older, been there, done that, and maybe maybe I've misplaced faith there, but I would just have more confidence in him than than Green or Norris. So I hope he's ready, even if you have to throttle him back a little. And I think, I think he will. He, he's come back from injury a lot of times. Like he, he's been hurt a lot. <laughs> he's he's going to know how to get himself uh, pitching fit. I would assume better than somebody who you know hasn't dealt with all these injuries. <laughs> yes. Yes. Have, ex- have experience being broken. That is a very, very positive way of looking at the situation of saying he's just broke all the time. So the plus side, he's really good at coming back from being yeah. broke. It's like Purdue recovering from NCAA tournament losses. Like, oh, yeah, we did this last year. It's fine. You know, in listening to the radio broadcast today and Dan Dickerson and Jim Price talking about Sanchez and that issue, I was kind of surprised because... You know, for a long time over the offseason, I've always said, hey, yeah, he had a really bad year, gave up a lot of home runs because he was hurt the whole time, because he had this shoulder issue or tricep issue or whatever the hell it was, that he couldn't locate the pitches. They weren't breaking the way they were supposed to. Dan and Jim today were saying that may not be the case because in theory he was hurt for the whole season and he also had some really good outings in that season. It may be something beyond just the injury. This might be a little bit above my my pay grade, but I have a theory on Anibal that his that the injury he had was forcing some of the other muscles to overwork, and I think in that process it it knocked his mechanics off just just a touch. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a pitching coach, um, but I feel like even with, with these major league pitchers, they're they're so good, and the the margins between getting outs and giving up home runs is so fine that even just a small tick off. And all of a sudden, things are, are getting blown up like, like they were for, for Annie Ball last year. So that's my theory, and I hope it's true, because then if he comes in stronger, ready to go this year, then hopefully we'll get good Annie Ball back. He has to be good. He gave up like all of four home runs in 2014. I think the number was four or five. And last year, I lost count. There was a point at which he had given up more home runs than J.D. Martinez had hit. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking about that. Yeah, That's there were actual... games when it felt like he gave up four and five home runs. I think he actually did. I think there was a four home run game in the mix right. somewhere. So it's a, yeah. it's a sad, sad story. I can't imagine 
that he's ever going to return to that level of badness. No. I'm buying Jordan's theory, but I'm extremely gullible. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's, not that's what I need. Be. Be, yeah. Being a gullible fan is not, uh, it's not bad, <laughs> really. I mean, you can be happy. I, I'm just eating what you feed me. Absolutely. Okay. Noted. I'll, I'll remember that for coming weeks. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you guys this. Um, how do you think, Anib- like, if Andy Ball, you know, he's a question mark coming into the year. How do you think his uh, shape, um, what do you think that effect has on who wins the last bullpen spot? Do you think if he's more ready to go and more on it, we'll take more of a short guy, maybe giving Parnell some life? Or if we're thinking, you know, we're going to have to replace in the fourth inning every week, do we keep the extra loser of the, the fifth starter spot? Not to call any of them losers, per se. Don't want to hurt their yeah. confidence. I, I think it's completely merit-based. I don't, I don't think that factors in too much. In fact, I was seeing something today where Osmus was talking about Verhagen and how Verhagen can fit a number of roles. He can throw you one inning, or he can take you from the, the fifth to the or the, you know, fourth to the seventh or something like that. He can pitch multiple innings. So um, I think if the loser of the Green-Boyd-Norris battle uh, were to be there, it wouldn't be necessarily for that reason. I don't think they're, they inform each other. Verhagen's they, a former they could, a but, starter, right? I'm sorry, what? Verhagen's a converted starter, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Nobody's going to fact check that. Yeah, absolutely. I I can state that with fact because that's part of a very painful story that I tell from (laughs) from last season. No, 2014. It was 2014. It was the year that the opening day and that whole like two week period games were getting literally frozen out. Uh, And I had tickets to a game to see Sanchez pitch in April and the game literally got frozen out because it was going to be below freezing like all day. And the tickets that I got in refund for that later in the summer were for a double header and instead of Sanchez I got to watch Verhagen and I was really upset oh I'd have, I'd have been pumped I mean now Jordan would have been pumped then well, Jordan right. w- wasn't such a huge Verhagen fan yeah then Jordan was a tool <laughs> now Jordan was way better. take that kid and push him into traffic <laughs> no but because uh, you go into a game like that thinking all right we're gonna see you know an exciting pitcher and it's, it's at that point he was a no-name they just brought him up from Toledo and it was he had to go up against Corey Kluber it was like no contest. It was a bad thing. Anyway, where where was I with all of this? Oh, you had asked a question about Sanchez and, and his health and how that affects that bullpen spot. And I'm kind of tracking with what Eric is saying in that uh, I think the loser of that fifth starter spot, and I assume that's going to be Shane Green, I just can't see them sending him to Toledo and making him kind of gutted out there. I see them, no matter what happens, I see them sticking him in the bullpen, regardless of where Sanchez is at. Okay. Just my opinion. But <laughs> I have been very, very wrong about a lot of things in the past. And poor Eric just eats this up because he's so gullible that he takes yum, what yum, I say. Yum. Yeah. Yum, yum, nummy, nummy. He goes back to work and repeats the stuff that I say, and he, then he's wrong too, and it's, it's just a chain of wrongness. Uh, last, last subject is we're talking about spring training, uh, which gets to our teaser. Tiger's Twitter was wrong about something, believe it or not. Or, or were they? We're talking about Mike Pelfrey. And the guy is just impressing the pants off of people. Now, I was kind of a big Pelfrey guy right from the get-go. I, I felt like I sussed out some sort of Sherlocky Holmesian kind of clue in finding that, you know, the defense behind him actually seems to matter. It affects his BABIP, which affects, you know, the ERA and the FIP and everything else. And so I've been kind of rooting for him 
from the get-go, he seems to be impressing. And I'm seeing Tiger's Twitter kind of turn a corner now. But is this the real Mike Pelfrey? Oh, I hope so. I really do. I do too. <laughs> I, I'm hoping he's uh, an epic bargain after everybody kind of ripped that contract. It was so bad. Like, I didn't, I, I, I tend to be contrarian. Like, you know, everyone's saying, oh, it's terrible. My initial thought is there's probably a reason why this is good. So I, I did some initial research. I'm like, this is, he is an innings eater. You know, we've talked about how much I love innings eaters. But dude goes out there and gives you five-ish of decent baseball just about every time he takes it. And there aren't as many guys that do that as you'd think. And he's, he's done that so far in spring training. Um, you know, fingers crossed. One of my favorite Comerica Eric, Eric moments of, of the offseason was when they did sign Pelfrey. Eric, you put that poll out on Twitter saying, is Mike Pelfrey a good pitcher? <laughs> right. And overwhelmingly, right. overwhelmingly, people voted no, and you responded and said, that's weird. Why did the Tigers <laughs> sign a guy who's not good at pitching? Thought, <laughs> exactly. People were just destroying poor Mike Pelfrey like he's never held a baseball in his life. <laughs> it's like, all right. You know, he pitched for the Twins last year, and the games where he pitched against the Tigers, he was extraordinarily competent. At yeah, like obnoxiously baseball. so. Yeah. Obnoxiously competent. <laughs> like, and, yeah, his his numbers weren't um, amazing, but he didn't give up a lot of home runs, and he ate a lot of innings, and he he had 30 starts. And that's something right that's got to count for something and i i feel like i talked him up so much like i had to defend him so hard that now i feel that people think that i he's your blaine hardy isn't he he's my (laughs) blaine hardy he's my tiger he's hashtag my tiger this year and i feel like people have got this idea that like i think he's going to be the next cy young and i don't he's going to be a competent fifth starter and i think every single one of his numbers whichever ones you want to look at his era his innings pitched whatever it is I think they're all going to get marginally better this year than they were last year with the Twins and the year before that, simply because he's got guys behind him that can catch those ground balls and convert them into outs. And that's not something he's really had, I don't think, ever in his career. And if you looked at the market this offseason for guys that were competent, the pitching is insane what people are paying for mediocre pitching. So you just got to believe in your pelf and, you know... (laughs) got to own it. Pelf is the man. And I think there's some room for some, confidence. <laughs> there's room for improvement too based on the previous numbers. He's still only 32. Like I looked up he's younger than Verlander. You believe that? Yeah. Uh, I believe everything. So, yeah. <laughs> We've established that. Yeah. And he's another year I off Tommy. Yes, like Pelf eats innings. <laughs> But he does. He totally. You can he you can see him out there literally eating the innings on the mound. That's what he's he's doing. I, I don't know about these spring training results. I honestly don't. They've been better than expected, and that's kind of my rule of thumb with spring training is that if a guy is kind of in an acceptable range of he's not severely underperforming, he's not severely overperforming, if he's kind of right in that window of yeah, that's what I expect, then I get excited about it because I feel like that's repeatable, that's sustainable, that's what you're gonna get in 2016 ask me if i'm worried about justin upton (laughs) (laughs) um he hit a double today so and and dan dan dickerson said that's the best swing he's had all spring i'm glad he's starting to perform so you can stop worrying about him yeah we can i've (laughs) yes 
lower the DEFCON level uh, like by the, one. The fetal position in the corner, <laughs> stressing about reading Justin Upton. Okay. No, I'm not worried. Gosh. <laughs> Here's the thing about Justin Upton, and this is based on facts. This is based on the numbers. I tweeted this out the other day because back in 2013 uh, is when we I saw a lot of hashtag Austin Jackson strikes out on Twitter. That was like the year of Austin Jackson strikes out. Well, I went back yesterday and looked at the baseball reference numbers. His strikeout rate that year was 20% in, in that neighborhood, give or take 1% or 2%. He was somewhere in there. And people were losing their freaking minds about how often he strikes out. Look at Upton's numbers. He's consistently in the 26 to 27 percent range for his strikeout. Don't strike tell Gray out. that. Please do not tell Gray. Oh, if Gray Papke on Twitter is listening, just do not pay attention. It's to Justin Upton. Thank you. He's <laughs> going to strike out so much, and uh, so are several of the other guys too. I went kind of then. I just I was curious. I'm like, okay, who else is kind of in that same? Uh, Jared Saltalamakia is sits closer to like 30 percent for his strikeout rate. <laughs> Do you know last year was the first year since like 2007 that Victor got over 10%? Wow. And he had a bad year. Less than you, he's almost always under 10% strikeouts. It's well, insane. His 2014, when he was like, he didn't strike out for like 80 games or some stupid thing. What was his rate that year? Like 5%? He's a stallion. Yes. And he will be a stallion again. All right, that should uh, just about wrap it up for our Rounding the Bases segment. When we come back from the break, we'll go into warming the pen, and uh, let's play the feud. I don't even know what that means. We're going to find out when we come back after the break. Sanchez looks in and gets the sign from Brian Pena. Pena setting up away. The 2-2. Swing! Wow. He got it on strikes! A new club record, what a 17 wow. strikeouts by Anibal Sanchez, and he strikes out the side in the eighth. And welcome back as we go into our warming in the pen segment. We're going to play a little game because we're obviously out of things to talk about already. It's it's spring training season. What what do you talk about in this period of time? Opening day is like still two weeks away, and I'm bored out of my mind. So, Jordan... I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. I, I've created a game. We, don't, we, we can name it as, as we go. Um, it doesn't have a name to this point. Um, so here's how the game is played. It's, it's fairly Family Feud-esque. I'll throw out a category such as Taylor <laughs> Swift albums. Eric and Hook will go back and forth naming albums until either they do not have an answer or they guess incorrectly. The other uh, will need to name one more album to take the points. Um, which would be how many total albums were named. But hold on, there's a catch. Once you secure the points, you can continue naming albums to add an additional point for each extra album you name. Make sense? This is going to be a train wreck. This is going to be such a train wreck if we're going outside of Tigers-related content. Don't worry, there's there's nothing else Taylor Swift-related. I I fought myself, but... Uh, are Are we playing that topic or not? No, I don't have it prepared. Oh, I actually probably could do it off the top of my head. I but... think I'd know like one, okay. maybe two. All right, let's start with some Tiger stuff to get you, <laughs> get you guys loose. Name oh, the last 10 Detroit Tigers opening day starters on the mound. Um, Hook, why okay. don't we start with you? It's your show. So just the last 10. Um, yep, can be any of them. Uh, David Price. David Price. And do I get to keep going? Justin, no, then... Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander. Now back to you. Well, that was the easy one. Uh, That's why I took it. Jack Morris. 
Jack Morris is not a correct answer. All right, Eric, you need to name what? one more to take okay. the points. Um, I'm going to go with Jeremy Bonderman. Jeremy Bonderman, yes. Now, how many more can you name? Um, I'm going to go Justin Johnson. J- it's Jason Johnson? I'll give you. Oh, shoot. Do we give him points? I'll let you make the call. It's your show, Hook. I, I'm protesting because I know Jack Morris pitched opening day starts. Oh, he did. Within he just the was, last. It's just the last 10 total. Oh, we um, had to go back. I see. Yeah. Oh, the My last apologies. 10 starters. Got yeah. It. Got it. All right. Okay. Jason Johnson is exactly what I said. Do I get <laughs> points if I can tell you he had that little box on his belt to feed him like insulin so he didn't die on the mound? Oh, That's a fun Lord. fact. I feel like that makes up for the wrong first name. Keep going. Yes. How many more can you go? Um, let me think. Um, oh, uh, Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. Yep. There oh, are five, five more. Ah, oh, five more. Um, who was the uh, hotshot kid? Uh, uh, Anderson? No, Matt Anderson. No, that's that's incorrect. Um, I, I think he was primarily a reliever, right? Oh, shows the kid that I know. he brought gas. Um, um you- oh, uh, 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 um, the the current pitching coach uh, who was lost twenty games, Mike Maroth. Mike Maroth, yeah. Are you guys just making up names now? Is that what's happening? No, Mike, Mike Roth. <laughs> crafty Mike lefty. the Sloth Maroth. All right. Okay, but you only you only get five points. The others were uh, Jeff Weaver, Hideo Nomo, Brian Moeller, and Justin Thompson in 1998. Justin Thompson. Maybe that's what I was. Uh, yeah. Wow. Could be. Okay, next category. An effort, an effort was made. <laughs> major cities, or the 10 major cities with the largest hipster population. All right, Eric, <laughs> you go first here. Uh, I'll go Seattle. Seattle's firmly on the list at number seven. Uh, Grand Rapids? Grand Rapids did not make the cut. Are there a lot of hipsters in Grand Rapids? Haven't spent a a ton of time there. Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go Portland, Oregon. Portland is number 10. So you get the points. Now you can can pad your lead. Um, I'm going to go Brooklyn, New York. New York City. I'll I'll count it. Yeah, totally can count that. Um, I'm going to go... Uh, shoot. Uh, I'm going to go San Francisco. San Francisco is number three. Uh, I'm going to go, um, let's see. Um, Tacoma, Washington. (laughs) Tacoma did not make the list. (laughs) (laughs) So you add four more points to your lead. You are up nine to nil. Tacoma is the Mike Maroth of the uh, city. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So I was thinking a lot of West Coast. You got L.A., D.C., Chicago, Boston. Oh, I should have went bigger. Philly and the the hipster hotspot of Minneapolis. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Wow. Health, the Hmong the and the hipsters are rocking in Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next topic is best charting Justin Timberlake songs. Are you kidding? Is this, is this not a good not a good? Who's topic? first? Who's first? Uh, Hook is first. I mean, I might as well just forfeit now. Justin Timberlake? Yeah, JT. I could probably not even name one all right eric uh sexy back sexy back is number three <laughs> um, <laughs> so you take the points <laughs> uh, justin timberlake songs i hope you were so embarrassed uh, that you know this <laughs> i'm bringing sexy back yeah <laughs> other boys don't know how to act yeah <laughs> i didn't see this going any other way uh, <laughs> singing uh i'm 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 singing the songs in my head and i'm trying to come up with titles um 
Justin Timberlake songs. I that's all I know. S- okay. Sexy back. So you get one point to, to bring right. yourself to an even ten. I better quit before I you know expose my. <laughs> all right, Timberlake. All right, hook. This one's for you. Last ten Detroit Tigers top picks in the draft. Not necessarily first rounders, but our first like oh, the first man. pick that we took. Um, Eric, you lead off. Uh, Bo Burrows. Bo Burrows last year. Uh, Derek Hill. Derek Hill the year before that. Nick Castellanos. Castellanos in 2010. Oh, boy. This might be going too far back. So, uh, no, because this is 2016. So we should be still in the, in the range there. Um, Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller, yes. 2006. Uh, Rick Porcello. Porcello in 2007. Crap. I was going to do that one. <laughs> uh, Jacob Turner. Jacob Turner in 2009. That's a good one. Uh, no. Jake Thompson. Jake Thompson in 2012. Nice, nice one. Nicely done. There. Uh, wow. Let me think. There. Who was 2013? Um, we didn't. We didn't say 2013 yet, did we? That's correct. That's that's still on the list. Oh golly, who? I know it was a. Was it Spencer Turnbull? It was not Spencer oh. Turnbull. It might have been that draft, but he was probably not the first one. No, that's, All right, too, that's too far back. That's too far back. Well, it's got to be a huge flame throwing pitcher from Texas. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, and it's somebody that we've traded away, obviously. Um, uh, so, last 10 years, how, what did you say? Last 10 years. Um, Cameron Mabin? Cameron Mabin is the year before. Ah, oh, so, Dane. Now, do you, did you, you get the points, right? You, you confirmed it. What's that? Did did you answer one after Hook? No, not no. No, I think I I have failed, and Hook is still in, I believe, isn't he? Yeah. So, back back to you, Hook. So Cameron Mabin was, you said the year before. The year before this list. Wow, I'm still stuck on 2013. Who was that number one pick? I mean, we we should know this, Eric. We probably saw him yeah. with the White Caps like that year right. or the year after. Who? But number the- one pick could be like the fourth round since we gave up all our. It was not in this pick. case. No, oh. but tr- I mean, still, I mean, we we had so few. This prospects. is going to be somebody we're going to say, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I I swear it's a pitcher, um, a Corey Knable. It is not. I think it was that same year, though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. All right, Eric, any guesses? Uh, I get the points if you guys can't name it. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, what's his name? Ruffin, Chance Ruffin. <laughs> no, he was the second pick on a different year too. Dang um, it, Jonathan Crawford. Uh, yes. No. Yes. Yeah, from- in 2011, James McCann in the second round was our first, and in 2008, your flamethrowing righty from uh, Texas, Ryan Perry. Wow. Uh, Pretty sure it's from Texas. Okay. This next well. one. Nobody. Yeah. He's from. He, now he's from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, no one's fact checking. Okay. Um, let's see. Hook. You'll start on this one. States with the largest percentage of seniors with no remaining natural teeth. What in the hell? <laughs> all right. Uh, you can find anything online. I was going to say, we're, we're going to talk after the show about where you found all this information and your search habits need to be discussed, too. <laughs> no, wait. So this isn't like necessarily the most old people. This is the most old people who have no teeth. Correct. And we're looking for states. States. That's right. Oh, uh, boy. Um, Jeez. Uh, well, let's uh, let's start with uh, Brooklyn. That's that's not a state. No, you're right. I, I'm 
distracted. Uh, West Virginia. West Virginia tops the list, 36%. Wow. That is a large quantity of people with no teeth. I'm going to go Mississippi. Mississippi is at four. Oh, boy. Uh, Let's say Louisiana. Louisiana is at five. I'll go um, Alabama. Alabama number six. Utah. Utah is not on the list. All right, Eric, four of the points. I'm going to go Arkansas. Arkansas is on the list at number eight, 23.3%. All right, now you can can add to your lead. Oh, I'm going to go... I'm I'm feeling the South. The South is uh, giving us a lot of fruit here. Um, Georgia. Georgia is the only Southern state not on the list. Of course. Of course it is. Tennessee, Kentucky, Oklahoma, South Carolina, North Carolina are the other ones. So you get one, two, three, four, five more points, which takes your lead to 15 to nil. All right. Where am I at? We got two more categories for you, Hook, to come back. So no worries. There's, oh, there's yeah, I'm, plenty- I'm feeling it now. Plenty of time. This one I can tell. Names of Hook's children. Okay. <laughs> Give him a chance. <laughs> Highest grossing Hopefully Will you have a lot. Smith. Oh, he's got, he's got 12. He's got, it's like, uh, what's his name? Antonio Cromartie. That I know of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Highest grossing Will Smith films in terms of opening gross. So I'm assuming it's the first weekend. It did not specify. All right, Eric, you lead off. Independence Day. Independence Day is number seven. Concussion. Concussion. I, I'm going to give you a pass. I don't think concussion was made when this list was. So guess again. Okay. Uh, Men in Black. Men in Black is correct at number six. I'm going to go Pursuit of Happiness. Pursuit of Happiness is not on the list. I believe it was like what? it was like 11 or 12. It was close, but did not make uh, the list. All right, Hulk, here's some points. Uh, let's some- say I Am Legend. I Am Legend was number one. You should get bonus points for that, for taking wow. the number one answer. Wow. Okay, so how many more can you name? Oh, boy. Um, iRobot. iRobot, shockingly, is number four. Wow, that should not be anywhere on that list. No, it should uh, not. How about uh, Hancock? Hancock is number two. Now you're rolling. And I'm also running out of Will Smith films that I <laughs> know about. Uh, did we already say Wild Wild West? Wild Wild West, number ten. That also should not be on that list. No. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else was he in? Um, Hitch. Hitch, number nine. Wow. Don't see any of these films, people. <laughs> Most of these are not should not be seen. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm blanking on any other films. All right. You took seven, so you're you're back in wow. it. You halved him. Um, the other ones are Men, Men in Black, Black 3. Yeah, and Men in Black three. 2. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And Bad Boys 2. Right. Bad Boys 2. All right. Last category. Let the, the drum roll go. The last 10 Detroit Tigers opening day starters at shortstop. And I start this one? And I'll give you a frame of reference. It dates back to 1998. Yes, you start this one. Okay. So the last uh, top 10 starters at shortstop um, will go Jose Iglesias. Maybe last year. All right. Back to you, Eric. Uh, Johnny Peralta. Johnny Peralta, 2011 through 13. Um, Alex Gonzalez. Alex Gonzalez, Seabass. Uh, Carlos Guillen. Carlos Guillen, 2004 to 2007. Oh, and I'm going to blank now. She's, um, yeah, I'm totally blanking out. All right, Eric, to seal the deal. Oh, man. 
Um, I'm not. I, uh, I'm going to go Bubba Trammell. Nah, Bubba Trammell is not on the list. De- uh, ne- Cruz. Davy Cruz, yeah. <laughs> ah, that was going to be what I was going to say. You, sh- you should have went there. The other options were Adam Everett in 2009 oh, and 2010. Yeah. Edgar Renneria. Um, our boy oh, in Infante in 2003. Of course. Shane Halter in 2002. And Billy Ripkin in 1998. That was a bit before my time. Wow. All right. So let's see. Uh, Eric, you took four more points. So you win the inaugural version of this game. You always win the games I create. It's known fact. Thank, thank you, Eric, for soundly beating my ass on that. So. You know, you know if we'd, if we'd sometimes gone, you just got to lay the smack down. Hey, if we'd have gone with Taylor Swift albums, I would have owned this thing. That's yeah. true. Next time. <laughs> Next time. You know, <laughs> Russian ballerinas or whatever, you would have dominated. Totally. Totally. Uh, yeah, we need to bail out of this quickly. So that's going to do it for our warming in the pen segment. Let's take a quick break, come back into the high and tight segment. And now for a word from our sponsors. I'll tell you what that means after the break. Two pitch, swinging a line drive, left center field, Jackson on the run, he'll make the catch in left center! Max Scherzer a pump of the fist as he comes off the mound, the bases are loaded with nobody out, he strikes out two and gets Kiasco on the And welcome back from the break, we are into our high and tight segment, you know we could have sat here and talked guys about... Victor Martinez and how he's coming back from his injury or his rehabbing and what his swing looks like. We could talk about Miguel Cabrera, what kind of season he's going to have. We could talk about Jordan Zimmerman or any of that stuff. But you know what? Screw it. Let's talk about commercials. And I know we're going to talk about commercials, bad commercials in general, and then maybe talk about some of their specific to the Tigers broadcast, whether on television or on radio. Because if our listeners are anything like us, uh, me anyway, I, I probably watch at least 100 Tigers games in a season, if not more. And if you do that night after night after night for three, three and a half, four hours, eventually these commercials just become part of who you are. And most of them become abominable just by sheer repetition, unless it's Rod Allen and Ace Hardware. Then <laughs> that's cool stuff. Or, or, the, or the Bernsteins. I'd love those characters. How can you, how can you not? Uh, so let's let's get into the the nitty gritty here. Let's start with worst commercials in general. Jordan, I know you have. Well, this whole thing started because you and I were talking on Twitter. You hate the Arby's commercial, and I'm just I'm not understanding that. It's we've got wanna, the meats. That exactly. One. I don't want to be yelled at by my television. It's it's him and the guy from the I think they're Ford commercials where he's like this and then this and then this. it's like just chill i don't need to be yelled at you yelling at me is not going to inspire me to buy a ford or to get a reuben like it's just chill out bro i mean I maybe, maybe that's just my personality i don't think you're excited enough about meats is the thing because <laughs> when these commercials be. started and it was all about like double triple smoked bacon wrapped in you know brown sugar caramelized i was ex- as excited as that guy look at this bacon it is beautiful it was carved off a pig for you and I'm like, I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited. I want the meat now. I, I'm totally with this guy. I just want to edit out where he says, I, I want the, the meat, meat now. Thanks. And just replay it that like on a vine or something. Okay. Thanks. 
You're welcome. I'm going to cut that out of the show just so you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I want the meat now. (laughs) We have the meat. That sounds like Jordan's wife, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And this is uh, swirling the toilet bowl big time now. I'll take things heard outside my bedroom for $500. (laughs) We have the meat. Uh, Pull it back together, guys. Jeez. (laughs) Uh, Jordan, any other worst commercials in general? I hate pretty much all ads for any NBC show because I always just think that looks dumb. Like, no no offense if you guys like Grimm. I don't know if either of you watch it. But I look at them like, you know... Fairy tales, really? That's, that looks dumb. So I, I really don't like any NBC commercials. Okay. My all-time least favorite commercial is when they have the Toyota Thon. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's like the super, super happy, like peppy, cheerful guy goes around. We're selling so many Toyotas. The Toyota Thon. I just want to put a boot through his ass. Like, shut up. Nobody's that happy. <laughs> I'm certainly not that happy about a freaking Toyota. Stop. Wow. I like the, the sign then drive event because that <laughs> definitely needed clarification. Gosh. Thank you. I, in general, and I, this does happen during Tiger season two, but it's kind of all year round, but I detest any of the Cialis slash Viagra commercials. And it's, I just have to make fun of them at that point because there'd be like, you know, you'll see this couple sitting at a restaurant and they brush elbows and they kind of laugh at each other and the announcer says something like, you know, when you're ready to go, you don't want to stop and take yeah. a pill. And I'm thinking, dude, just throw it around the table. Just do it right there. Like, right. you're at the restaurant. Go. And all the dudes look like Eddie Bauer models. You know, they have the salt and pepper hair. <laughs> and the women are like total, you know, foxes, but old foxes. Like, come on. We call them cougars now, don't we? It's, it's not realistic. There's there's one with a British girl where she just says, when it's you and your honey, I kind of yeah. like that one. That one's she a little just, on like, the funny shames side. you into getting Viagra. But no, but what about the guy who takes his truck out into the middle of the desert or something, and he's got, like, a bonfire. He's trying to, he's got, like, there's horses involved. Yeah. There yeah. are no women in this it's, commercial. It's a <laughs> metaphor. He's unleashing his horses. Right. I want to see the deleted scenes, though, where he mounts the horse at the end. and they just I, kind I of don't. Go at it. I like oh. the ones with the, the tubs in the middle of the, I think it's Seattle, so it's the tubs. Like, That's, do people yeah. do this? Is this oh, a, yeah, I, is this a I, thing? Well, there's your problem right there. You're tubs in separate tubs. Yeah. <laughs> Limits contact. How did you get those tubs up on the mountain? What? No wonder yeah. you're not, you don't have any energy left. You were carrying tubs. Got to use a hand cart, I would assume, right? Or, or that dude's truck. I don't know because he's, yeah. he's got it figured out. <laughs> okay, my my also worst favorite worst favorite yep. yeah yep. worst favorite yeah uh, is the Quiznos little creatures. Do you guys remember this ad? I don't know. They like there was for Quiznos subs, and they were like these little furry creatures, and they just sang and yelled at you. It was an awful commercial. I you don't you don't know terrible. this, so I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> wow. No, I'm surprised, Eric, because I would have thought that your one of your worst favorites uh, would have been a pitcher who can paint the corners. Is yes, that's oh, the one. That's the one. That, that commercial is an absolute smoking hot pile of feces. 
<laughs> Nobody calls Nobody. a pitcher who can paint the corners a Rembrandt. Literally zero people have ever. Nobody has it ever. That. You invented that BS yes. for that commercial, and that the, commercial is a steaming hot turd. And he says it so authoritatively, like yes. this is a thing. No, no, it is not a thing. Have no. you listened to any of the spring training games and heard the updated version of that? No. no. Because they changed it now. I, I don't know if they got like a bunch of complaints or people like us, you know, said, yeah, you're full of shit or whatever. But now it's like something about uh, a guy who dresses well is called sharp or some really uh, innocuous has nothing. To I, do with it. Yeah. Why are you trying with this commercial genre? Like, stop it. I'm, yeah, just just not working. Yeah. Now, on the radio side of things, I'm this is a difference between TV and radio. Yeah. On radio it's the comerica bank commercials that just drive me absolutely batty mm-hmm. and where they do the you know we're talking to the small business owners like they're really not actors at all and they're pretending to be you know amateurs um i don't know i wouldn't say we're rich but you know, <laughs> yeah that whole, i know which one you're talking about yep yeah. there's a whole that string of those worst. Mm-hmm. do you how do you i have to say i do not like the forklift company commercials do you know what i'm talking about I on the radio side forklifts like, I get the same shtick over and over. Like, they're just talking about forklifts and servicing a forklift. Okay. So who is That's that enough. Who is that ad for? Like, who's listening to the radio and is like, you know what? That would be a good place to get my <laughs> forklift service. Did you, have you seen the, um, the, law, the law firm that is advertising for retired NFL players? Did not see that. <laughs> That's, yes. I, that has to be the world's most specific television commercial. Are yeah, you just, a retired NFL player? Just text them. I'm sure the PA has all of their numbers. <laughs> There's got to be a more efficient way to connect with former football players. Send out a group me or something. Like this, this isn't that hard. Where do you guys stand on the Sam Bernstein situation? Because for me, it's it's kind of a, there's a gradient there. Like if it's just one of those guys, whether it's Sam himself or or Mark or whoever, Richard, doing their thing. I'm not really into it. But when they go to, like, show the actual clients, that <laughs> is awesome. The Donnie yeah. client with the giant mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome stuff. Those are the good ones. The worst ones are when they get actors to portray clients. Like that woman standing in front of a motorcycle. She sticks out to me because, like... <laughs> You clearly are not a motorcycle. You're per- portraying this female biker, and it's not working. That's the worst one. Uh, I, but I'm going to challenge that. The worst, 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 and this is recently as of like last year, year before, It's it's got to be the born free. Yes. Preach. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Why do we subject ourselves to so much crap? (laughs) And I love jingles. Like, um, I'm trying to think, like, Fox Motors, only the best, AmericanMetalRoofs.com. Like, I love jingles, and I still, (laughs) I can't take another Kid Rock. My favorite commercial, not to switch the subject, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. It's smile every every time it comes on, and that is bite, bite, sip, sip. (laughs) The dudes have, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like pastel uh, sleeve ruffles and they're like shaking you know latin instruments i love that commercial love it. that 
that might be the single greatest commercial of all time. Like that's the commercial that Kanye is interrupting the award show for. Wow. That that's the one. And I, I think I told you this, Hook, on on Twitter. I think that Mr. I had to be personally involved in making that commercial for it to have been so exquisite. <laughs> bite, bite, sip, sip. What it just it just says it all, right? Bite, bite, <laughs> also sip, sip. That's what makes the combo mambo. <laughs> <laughs> the the other one that I that I really enjoy for all the wrong reasons because it's just it's darkly twisted is on the radio when they do the Fago commercial. This one just started last year, I think. Fago, yes. Remember when you were a kid? Yeah, that is so sad. Like like this, you could just envision this chorus of children that just don't want to be there. They sound so <laughs> not into it. Like. Like maybe they've had the product and they know what they're doing and they're just sad for what they're foisting upon the listening public. Oh my goodness, love that one. I think uh, when I come around to post edit this show, I might have to drop some of those jingles in at the end just so people can get a yeah, get a little definitely get a little listen. Were there any more that you guys wanted to thrash out? The one more I want to talk about was the rules of the game with Eli Zarek or something Zarek. like that. Yes. yes. I love that commercial the first, like, two times I hear it. And then for the next month, it's the same thing. I'm like, I yeah. know this one. You He's just out, did dumbass. This one. Yeah. <laughs> like, if there was a new one every game, that would be an awesome. I, I don't know if there's that many, like, controversial, controversial, you know, happenings in a baseball game that he can do. But it's a great concept. It just, there's only so many times you can run that. I, I mean, I give that one points, and this is probably before your time, Jordan, but Eric, you might remember when Eli Zarek was actually the guy on WDIV Channel 4 Detroit and would do, like, the, the Tigers pregame shows. Is that TV or radio? TV. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. He no, was... I, no, I recollection of that. I really? assumed he was just, like, a, you know, if they say, you know, celebrity spokesperson that you don't actually know who it was. I didn't know that he was a, a real person. Yep. He was the, um, I guess you would call him, like, the, the Mickey York and Craig Monroe Gotcha. Of, of that generation it was just him and they would occasionally do like round tables you know where they'd have like mickey lowlich sit in you know where al kaline would sit in and then he got replaced by bernie smilovitz and that was you know back in the mid to late 80s but yeah eli zarek is a kind of a known commodity for detroit gotcha good to know people. i feel smarter i totally made all of that up so don't <laughs> oh, go apparently i eat it just like eric <laughs> <laughs> the word gullible is written on the ceiling oh boy any any last uh, at last minute commercials you want to chuck in there? I think that's it for me. Okay, this has been the most productive, high and tight segment we have ever done on this show, bar none. And we will have to wrap that up now and come back, get a little more serious in our into the mob scene at home segment where we take some listener questions. Forget spring training. Let's talk about the trade deadline. We'll do that right after the break. Swinging a fly ball to left field. This one's deep. Going back. Gentry at the fence. It's gone. Wow. It's gone. A walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth for Jose Davis. Incredible. Around third. Into the mops. Eat it home. And into the mob scene at home we go. This is the portion of the show where we take listener questions. Of course, you can get us your questions via the website at blushyboys.com. You can send the questions to me on Twitter at hookslidebyb or Robert Jackie is at bybrob. Send us an email at bybtigers at gmail.com if you still even believe in email. I'm not sure anyone actually uses email anymore. Uh, I took some questions today for you guys uh, primarily through actually 
only through Twitter today because I didn't uh, have time to put together a post for the site. So sorry about that. Uh, first question is from at Chief Broom. He says, why, or rather, who? Who do they trade away at the deadline if they're going for a playoff run? Also, who do they trade if they're losing the division? I think it all depends on your target. Like, you have kind of different tiers. Like, if we're hoping for somebody really good, then maybe we're looking at giving up Norris or Fulmer. If we're wanting somebody to complement the, the bench, you have, you know, Jones, Laborde, um, you know, so, some guys like that. What do you say, Eric? Um, regardless, Bo Burrows has like a target, <laughs> an enormous target on him. He's not going to survive as a Tiger for more than like three years. You know that. Dave's gone, though. Things might change a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. What First thing we do is draft a fire-throwing Texas boy, and then the second thing we do is trade him for pieces. <laughs> Ask no, Thompson I mean... how that works. <laughs> I'm trying to think now because Bo Burrows would have been drafted under the Dombrowski regime, right? That was oh, yeah. That's probably true. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. in June, and Dave was still around until August. So yeah, you might be right. He might be um, huge. Target. Everybody who's from the South and throws hard is from Texas. As far as Florida's Texas, you know, Arkansas is Texas, Oklahoma's Texas. It's all Texas, Texas to me. <laughs> In terms of baseball, hard throwing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm not sure if they if they are losing the division at the trade deadline. Um, what more is there really to do? They already kind of did a house cleaning and stocked up the farm as you know much as they could with getting rid of who they got rid of. I can't imagine them making too many more major. They could move Iggy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a case to be made that Iggy's trade value is higher than his actual value, especially for us right now with, yep. with Machado uh, waiting in yep. the wings. But don't don't at me on Twitter about that. It's not something <laughs> I feel strongly about. Don't I'm at just, me, bro. <laughs> it's just a thing that I, I think we could get away with trading him if we had another hole that we needed to fill. He yeah. does play a pretty good shortstop. I, I oh, yeah, De- definitely, definitely. Would but. you trade J.D.? I'm not even sure he's going to be around at the end of that two-year extension. I think there's enough people, players coming up through the system right now in terms of outfielders, You know, whether you're talking about Kristen Stewart or Michael Gerber, whoever else, that I think they might be kind of eyeballing that spot for one of them. But I've really yeah, been I, very wrong on a lot of those things before. So. Why definitely are we talking about this? It's not even regular season. It's spring training. Chief, whatever your name is, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Enjoy the moment. No. <laughs> in defense of Chief Broom on Twitter, we, we do... Um, Is there a bunch of little Broom Indians that he's eating? Like classic Cleveland fan trying to gain intel. Oh, come on, Chief Broom. It's not even the yeah. regular... It's not even an opening day and you're trying to trade away our players. Just That's, making us sad. Harsh in our buzz. In defense of these people that ask these questions, we put the pretty heavy burden on them every week. Like, send us good questions and everyone's bored right at this point we just want baseball to start so i give these guys props for actually coming up with questions even though yeah it's like why are we talking okay. about the trade deadline <laughs> we answered I a changed question my last mind week. your okay. question's great okay there is. And, and we answered a question last week about how <laughs> what to do when victor martinez retires so we don't really have any room to talk about <laughs> what right? at the trade deadline <laughs> that's awesome what are we gonna do when we're all dead <laughs> Has anybody thought about that? I think about it daily, and that's why I'm never happy. But that's a different, <laughs> that's a different, uh, different podcast. So, all right, 
at Helmeroids on Twitter says, on a scale of one to Pompeii, how worried am I about Vmart? Well, Pompeii was pretty bad, right? I mean, yeah. millions of tons of volcanic ash descended on your city. Is that that Pompeii? But pulled hamstring, man. Oh. You're not. You're I don't know. Five. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> the question. Let me rephrase this then. On a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about Vmart? Well, that that changes the scope drastically. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> I'll go for it. Like there there are options to replace him. The options aren't as good, but there are options. Casey McGee, he he can stick a little bit. It's McGee. It's McGee. Um, I mean, I would much rather have Victor, but if we didn't start the year with Victor, it wouldn't be the end of the world. If we don't, if we end the year without Victor, that will be Pompeii level. Metaphorically speaking, of course. Yeah, metaphorically. I'm going to give this a solid Hindenburg, I think, is what I'm going to say for that. No, I'm not really worried about the V-Mart spot. And I know I'm like in the in the minority on this, but, you know, he he was like super on in 2014. And that was awesome because McGee was not. He was coming back from that core muscle surgery. So you really needed Victor in that spot. But I still maintain that you can kind of do without Victor. It's great. Don't get me wrong. If he's there, it's awesome. But if you don't have him, you've still got J.D. Martinez, you've still got Miguel Cabrera, you've still got Justin Upton when he's not striking out 30% of the time. I think there's other places to get those runs if, if V-Mart is not okay for a lot of the season. Yeah, I think I agree with you. See that, Eric? He agrees with me. <laughs> but once again, we, we both just eat up nonsense. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's an innings eater. I'm a nonsense eater. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Bite, bite, sip, sip. <laughs> At Andy Potter says, how does one pronounce the name of our utility player, Mike? A Viles. Oh, is A Viles. That, is that how you say that? Yes. Just call him A Viles. I thought it was Avalis. I don't know. Huh. Just if you have Al and Alex together, they're Avilas. <laughs> <laughs> That's close enough. <laughs> just, just take whatever you know and add an S on the end. Avilas, Avilas, Avilas. I think it's all in how pretentious you want to sound. If you want to sound like really authentic, you go Avilas. But if you want to sound, you know, like a regular dude, you go Avilas. It's all in how you want to be perceived. It's the worst Spanish accent I've ever heard. That's because I haven't done mine yet. Oh, no. (laughs) Avilas. The way I I tend to approach these names, no matter what names, like... uh, in this case of Vilas, you take the name and you try to like mentally split it up into the different, you know, syllables and just work piece by piece. And then you just say it's okay. A V I L E S. And you kind of go, you pronounce that useless contract is how I pronounce that. Oh, that's a dig. Nailed Love it. it. Totally I agree, though. nailed it. I can, He's uh, the I, world series MVP. You're going to eat those words. I will. Every so world series has just like this random player that looks like, should be hot trash, but they're good. It, it seems like it would be awesome if that were the case. If he suddenly becomes, you know, the, he's the uh, what was his name? Daniel Murphy. Do I have that? Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. David and a Daniel, and I always get him confused. But yeah, Daniel's the good one. David. It's like bad. Justin and Jason Johnson. <laughs> or it's fine. You get close enough. Yeah, Kate and Justin Upton. I get those two screwed up all the time too. But yep. you're right. He'll he'll come out in October and hit like six home runs or some stupid thing, and which would be awesome because then maybe his trade value will go up and they can ditch that contract. Oh, yes. 
right. I'm not a big uh, V-list fan. I'm just, I'm not. I'm sensing. I'm sensing. <laughs> I, am I projecting that too too strongly? Is it coming no. through? Absolutely. <laughs> he, he's just redundant. He's, he's very, unnecessary. Very yeah, redundant. Yeah, he's redundant. All right. Uh, at GPB1775 on Twitter says, who has the better year, Verlander or Zimmerman? Let me tell you the answer to this question. Please. Zimmerman could pitch way better than Verlander, and Verlander is going to have a better year. You know why? Verlander has the life. (laughs) Does he or does he not have the life? He does. He's got fancy cars. He's going to random fun things. His girlfriend, I don't know if you've noticed, is a freaking bikini model. Justin Upton, yeah. (laughs) He plays golf all the time. Whose life would you trade, or whose life would you rather have than Justin Verlander's? His life is amazing. He's got an awesome brother. He's ben, got, ben. ben is awesome. He's got a snappy brother. And, and true help. story, in my basement right now, due to uh, a Whitecaps, um, my brain just blanked, uh, promotional situation thing i have yeah. a little lego figure of ben verlander it's a true story hmm. that's that's verly that's gonna have huge value on the open market in about 10 years why do we end up talking about verly on every podcast every week because <laughs> <laughs> he's in your group of like blaine hardy guys yeah. you like yeah don kelly yeah it's a good mascot <laughs> verly love verly i see i see what you did with that question there who has the better year yeah i see it wasn't yeah. specified it didn't say pitching Look, year verlander is year. Look, have you seen Zimmerman's face? Looks like someone just ran over his dog. He's so sad. Well, you know like, why? Zimmerman, your name has two ends. You have extra name. You should be happy with your life. Everybody's, you're in a good spot. You're a big league pitcher. Enjoy your life a little bit. Look at Verlander. You have a lot of money. Do things like Verlander. He's enjoying his life, you big curmudgeon. <laughs> Maybe it's the extra N at the back of his name that, that bothers him because people are misspelling that all the time. In extra fact, burden to carry. It felt like you mispronounced it there, too, when you said it. You have to kind of hold that at the end. Zimmerman. So you got the extra N. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know why he's so sad? Because, as Dan Dickerson pointed out, he is one of the best pitchers. And I'm talking he's ranked right up there with Clayton Kershaw, Dallas Keuchel, these kind of guys, at throwing two strikes. But he can't finish it. He cannot get the third strike. I would be walking around looking sad all the time too if that were if that were me. <laughs> He's got to go Mortal Kombat. Finish him. Just finish it, man. Nope, he doesn't doesn't prefer to do that. So one of the best two strike getters in the game, though. So that bodes it's a, well. It's a skill. Thank you for that fact, Hook. It's a factoid. Thank you for telling. Thank you for telling me that information. I got that from Dan Dickerson, so <sighs> I feel confident believing that. <laughs> I don't, Nobody's going to fact check you. Yeah, I don't, I'm not fact checking Dan Dickerson. That's that's just stupid. Why would you do that? He's the Ubermensch, I tell you. Yes, he is. I love yes, Dan. he is. Uh, all right, so that's all the questions for this week. But we <clears> do have to uh, carry on with a little game called Tiger's Superlatives. So, Jordan, this one's away. fairly straightforward. I'm going to list off things that you would vote for in high school yearbooks. I guess is that. I mean, that's kind of what these things are. Fair enough. Um, yeah. And we can go around and give our answers. All right, are you ready? Got yes. It. The first one is best shoulder to cry on. Alex Wilson. He's bearded and he's a little pudgy. That, that's nice. <laughs> but that he's shoulder is, is tender at the moment, is it not? Well, you try to do the opposite one. 
Well, just cry on it. You don't have to like gnaw on it at the same time, unless that's your thing. Touche. I'm gonna go with uh, JD Martinez, and the reason is because that dude has struggled. He has known hard times in this oh, life. Yeah. I yeah. think he would totally get it. He would understand your problems, and he would be like, "Dude, just keep calm and adjust your swing." Yeah, nice. That's well done. I picked Matt Boyd. He just kind of has a sympathetic face. Yeah, he does. He's and not to not to be me, but he's kind of. Um, he seems very huggable. <laughs> it's it's unquantifiable, but there's a certain um, huggable aspect to Matt Boyd. I think uh, if you search... his his hugs above replacement are way off the charts. <laughs> I was gonna say if you, if you dig deep enough in Baseball Reference, I'll bet huggability is on one of those reports. You have to get the play index and subscribe for that information, though. Gosh, hugs above replacement Twitter is just going to go nuts. I know. <laughs> Don't at me. Finally, somebody <laughs> believes in us. All right, next one. Most likely to own ten cats. Shane Green. Shane, have you seen his eyes? He's yeah. got kind of 10 cat owning eyes. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to, yeah, you're right. I have no answer to that. I went with uh, Justin Upton, and it has to do with that whole strikeout rate thing. The fact that he's striking out more than once every four at-bats is a perfect sign of somebody whose brain is elsewhere, and he's thinking about, I got 10 cats to feed, and I forgot to put the food out. So that's why he struggles. Yeah, that'll get you. I picked Tyler Collins. I, I didn't have a strong feeling about this. Because cats could nest in his beard. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, next residence. one. Best driver. Uh, I'm going to pick Ian Kinsler because he's kind of good at everything. He wins the ping pong tournament. He just seems like a very athletic, knowledgeable guy, Kinsler. I went with uh, Justin Verlander because he owns all the cars. Yeah, that's, that's true. Nice. I can see Salty taking his driving very seriously. He kind of gives off that vibe. There you go. Um, most likely to get punched in the face by a kangaroo. <laughs> For me... In order to get punched in the face by a kangaroo, you need to be exposed to kangaroos and come, come into contact with kangaroos. And the person most likely to do that is Daniel Norris because he's always adventuring. <laughs> Seems good point. However, I, I disagree with you that you do not need to be exposed to kangaroos to get punched in the face by a kangaroo. You just have to be very drunk. Oh. More on that in the next podcast. I went with uh, Stephen Moya because I believe that his huge hulking frame is so intimidating that he would be the most likely to startle a kangaroo into thinking that he was an enemy that needed to be punched. Yeah, I could see that. And I picked uh, Ben Verlander, Verley, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see him just messing with a kangaroo. Can you guys, I mean, you guys can picture that, right? He's trying to get him up kind of get a selfie with the one on yeah. Instagram or whatever and just gets nailed in the back of the head. He's posting yeah. pictures of the kangaroo in high school and pissing him off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does this pouch make me look fat? Yeah. Um, best FIFA player. The the game, not the uh, the, the video game. Not the organization that's called. I don't know. I, this is the one I had the hardest time with. I'm going to say Cassianos because he just seems like a guy who could play a lot of video games. I have no idea. Uh, Jose Iglesias, because he's like the kid. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can yeah, see maybe. that too. Right. I, I took Rondone. I could see Rondone playing a lot of video games. And, and then wrecking, you... wrecking his wrist or something? <laughs> Zumaya style. Losing and sulking afterwards. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> and everyone who plays video games plays FIFA. Fact. All right. Most likely to end up as Colonel Sanders. I picked James McCann for this one, because he's kind of got a little bit of that southern lilt going. 
and uh, I could see him enjoying chicken. I have no idea. I almost picked McCann, too, because he's like the whitest boy on the team, and that's you have to be to be Colonel Sanders. But I ended up going with Gene Lamont, because <laughs> he's like a, a weird goatee away from completing that transformation as is. So He's enjoyed a chicken or two. Yes, he has. <laughs> yeah, Yesterday, you the, in fact. <laughs> you have the winner there. I went with Brian Holiday, got the beard. Eventually, that'll go white. It's kind of, you know, a little, little stodgier, too. All right, next one. Best bromance. Uh, it's got to be uh, Cabrera and Iggy, isn't it? They certainly have a bromance going, don't they? I'll say that one. I'm not as aware of that bromance. Um, so I ended up going with Anthony Ghost and Defensive Metrics. <laughs> I mean, sure, they fight in public, but the makeup sex is great. I went with uh, McCann and Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the only one who took this exercise remotely serious. How does that work? Why were you taking this exercise seriously at all? Gosh. All right, most likely to text only in emojis. I put Iglesias because he just seems kind of playful. For much the same reasons, I went with Miguel Cabrera just because he's always sure. goofing around and English is not his first language anyway. So if he's texting like Brad Osmus, mm. he's using <laughs> emojis, the international and, language. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I expanded the rules of the game a little bit and used a former Tiger because it just felt right. Uh, Al Al, I could see him texting exclusively in emojis a lot of finger points yep. yeah finger points and 100s that's all um flames maybe uh most likely to own the most fedoras that doesn't seem like a proper sentence but <laughs> you get the idea who owns the most fedoras uh i'm gonna say justin wilson the new guy so we have yet to get to know some of these guys a little bit but i i looked at justin wilson a little bit and he looks like a f- fedora owner for sure I, this one just seems really obvious to me, and it's it's the general manager, Alavila, because he's already kind of got that whole mob boss vibe going with the trench coat and, you know. The, Tommy Gunn. That, exactly. It's 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 him. It's it's Alavila. Uh, I went Daniel Norris. I feel like he's the closest thing we have to a proper hipster, and hipsters are. Good point. Really good are, point. Are on the Fedora bandwagon. All right, last one. Most likely to have never actually finished a book. Well, we know about Anthony Goes' relationship with numbers. I'm assuming he has a sim- similar uh, relationship with letters. So I'm going to say Anthony Goes. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, it's, it's Brad Osmus because we know he has trouble with finishing things. Oh, that's a dig, too. Yeah. Um, I went with Buck Farmer. I, I, just I because just of his name? <laughs> oh, he's, he's a country. I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't picture Buck with a book in his hand. That's all. Mm. Nope. End of game. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who submitted questions. If, of course, you have answers to these silly little categories that uh, we came up with, please leave those comments at the website. Bless you, boys. You'll be wrong, but yeah, you can leave them. Very wrong. <laughs> but leave them anyway so that we can laugh about it later. All right. That'll wrap it up for the End of the Mob Scene at Home segment. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show with the seventh inning Kvetch. If this van's a rockin', please, please come a knockin'. Tell you what that means after the break. Three now. Here's the two-two. Oh boy! Curveball grabbed the outside corner. Victor not happy. Pitch that he felt went around the plate. You rarely see Victor complain. Brad Osmus better get out there quickly. Oh! And Victor got tossed. Wow. 
All right, we are into our final segment, the seventh inning kvetch. It's that part of the show where we get to go a little bit off script, bitch about things, talk about non-baseball things if we want to. Uh, I understand we have some things to talk about concerning minivans. Well, what what we're going to tackle here is the power rankings. Okay. All right, so every time we do the power rankings, and now you have two choices, and Jordan gets to choose every week what power rankings we're going to go with. Okay, so we have, again, models of minivan, (laughs) models of minivan, and our other choice this week is (laughs) Pop-Tarts. What flavor of Pop-Tart are we power ranking today? Jordan, what what do you think? Wait a minute. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. I listen to your guys' show every f***ing week, and I've been listening to it since day one, and every week... I hear these two choices thrown out, and minivans has been on that list since f-ing day one. And I'm sitting here every week going, get to the minivans. Get to the minivans. Jordan never picks the minivans because Jordan hates minivans. <laughs> Anti-mini. So, minivan, yeah. But the problem hey. is, is I'm totally feeling Jordan's pain right now because Pop-Tarts? Holy shit. Yeah, let's talk this about is the for- This is the format of the show, okay? We're going, you get choices, it's models of minivan or it's Pop-Tarts. Okay, if we don't do it's minivans this week, you guys got to promise me that you're going to do minivans sometime before I die. Jordan, what's it going to be? It's going to be Pop-Tarts. Damn it. All right, Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> of course, uh, with power rankings, we have the top seven, because that's the number of completion. And then we have the bottom three. The bottom three. Starting off at number seven is the apple strudel Pop-Tart. I like the apple filling, but the problem is why it's this low on the list is it's not completely frosted, right? (laughs) It's like drizzled with icing, which knocks it down a little bit. But otherwise, apple strudel is a pretty decent choice, but number seven on our list. The thing is, is what are you eating these Pop-Tarts for? Is this like a a sweet dessert or are you eating these as a sustenance? A man does not need a reason to eat a Pop-Tart. Well, if you're, if you're eating them as a dessert, get the fall fruit out of there. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. That was number seven. Number six, frosted strawberry. Frosted strawberry. The frosting is nice. It's got the little granular bright red sprinkles on the top, which is nice. Strawberry is the le- le- the less offensive of the strawberry or cherry. Cherry would have been in the top 10, but not enough to make the top seven. So strawberry is pretty solid. That's, that's number six. Number five, cookies and cream. Cookies and cream. This is, uh, you know, it's got the, the chocolate base. It's got the kind of cookie uh, foundation and kind of a creamy uh, filling. It's cookies and cream. It's pretty straightforward. Pretty much what you'd expect, yeah. So I, I need to know, have you actually tried all of these? Yeah. Okay. Of course. <laughs> I didn't know the cookies and cream existed, so now I kind of need to like shut down the show and go to Meyer like, I, right now. I currently have half of the family pack of cookies and cream Pop-Tarts awesome. open, and I'm completely ashamed to admit this. <laughs> I'm not a healthy, you know, this is not good. All right, number four. Frosted blueberry. Of, of the fruits, blueberry is the premium fruit when it comes to Pop-Tarts. You don't want a lot of fruit because it's way too healthy, obviously. But blueberry is the king of fruits and, of course, a lot of frosting. And you, with the blueberry Pop-Tarts, you get the multicolored sprinkles, which adds a little festivity. 
to your breakfast. That's <laughs> kind of nice. That's what you're looking for in a breakfast festivity. I yes. get it. Yep. Number three is a relatively new addition to the Pop-Tarts family, and that is the chocolate peanut butter. Chocolate Ooh. peanut butter. This is, this is, you could eat this as a meal to get back to Jordan's question because it's got protein, you know, a lot of peanut butter. That's healthy. Chocolate peanut butter Pop-Tarts. The filling is very good. I like chocolate peanut butter. That's number three. If you, if you paired that, have you ever paired that up with a blueberry to have like a whole peanut butter jelly experience? No, no. This is a, this is an exercise in purity. Okay. Purity of form. <laughs> I'm just talking about like, you know, when your wife goes out of town and it's just you, you've never. Well, we, we will never speak, never speak a, of it. That's All what right. pizza's for. All right. Now we're getting to the two really premium Pop-Tart varieties. Uh, this is a this is a tier unto itself, really. But number coming in at number two is brown sugar cinnamon. Mm. Brown sugar cinnamon is a really good pop tart. Um, I really don't toast my pop tarts a lot, but if I'm going to toast one, I'm going to toast a little brown sugar cinnamon. Just get a little extra crispiness. The filling is is, is so yummy, and it's got it's perfect. The, the 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 brown sugar cinnamon is number two. Solid. All right, number one. Do you want to guess number one? Mm. I guess chocolate. Like, it, I, I wouldn't think that it is, but I can't really name any other ones. So that's my guess. S'mores. Chocolate. Oh, S'mores. Pop-Tart is the number one. You know, Rod Allen will tell you, <laughs> you have to start with a solid base. And this Pop-Tart definitely starts with a solid base. And that is the graham cracker style uh, base. It's the best of all the Pop-Tarts because of this base. It's kind of graham crackery. It's really good, and it's got the stripings of marshmallow and chocolate, and of course the crusty top layer. The s'mores pop tart is the best pop tart. That's it. That's number one. Are you ready for the third? The three worst. You have no idea how ready I am for that. I'm glad I asked. Okay, the third from the worst is confetti cupcake. These things are garbage. It's frosted, which is good. But it's got like these little, tiny little Necco wafer-like things. And it's just on a floating on a bed of sadness. <laughs> the sugariness of it is, is wrong. It's trying to taste like a cupcake, but it tastes like it's bad. It's awful. That's number three. The second from worst is wild berry. Wild berry. Wild berry isn't even a real fruit. <laughs> I know. I know that's, we're just, we're manufacturing this in some chemical lab someplace, but at least try. Make an effort to be a real fruit. Wild berry is an invented. It's got smears of uh, pink and purple. It's disgusting. See, I wild take wild berry. That's probably one of my favorites. It would it would be your favorite. <laughs> Berries oh. gone wild. All right. <laughs> now the worst pop tart is unfrosted Pop-Tarts. Why do they even <laughs> sell these? Unfrosted Pop-Tarts. It doesn't matter if it's unfrosted strawberry or cherry or blueberry. They're all trash. Don't, nobody's buying these. How do they even sell unfrosted Pop-Tarts? It's a bunch of crap. It's like non-alcoholic beer. Like, who are the, who are the <laughs> miscreants who are buying this stuff? I don't even know if that's a word. These people are trash. Stop buying unfrosted Pop-Tarts. They're crap. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. 
I, I get it because you buy the Pop-Tart mostly for that frosting. And when I get a Pop-Tart out of the box, I don't want a chore in having to frost it myself. I want to just go for the, the goodness. I, I'm with you. Mm. On frosted Pop-Tarts. God, this is crazy. Like, I feel like, Eric, I met you like, I don't know, three years ago or something. And all this time, I had no idea you were like, had that strong of a feeling about Pop-Tarts. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> I didn't even know half of those exist. I thought you made up the cupcake one. No. I wish you made up the cupcake one. Okay. Anything else you guys want to gripe about? I have, I have one gripe. March Madness Twitter. Can we, can we get to that? Okay. So I feel like there's two types of people that tweet about March Madness. You have the people who feel that it's necessary to tweet every single foul, the, the score, the time, constantly. Like Nobody's checking their Twitter feed to see if you're keeping track of the game. <laughs> and then you have the people that are so proud of the fact that they're not into the madness. Like, shut up, it's not it's like cool. people who don't own TVs. Yeah, play off us. Like, we're all enjoying this. Let us let us have this one. See, yeah. I feel, Jordan, like, like there, you just stated both sides of the problem, that, that this is why the problem exists. If fewer people were out there oh. tweeting it, probably you'd have yep. fewer people going, oh, stop it, I don't watch that crap. Because I don't do the March Madness thing. I just, I just don't. It's not like I have anything against it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, if I go on Twitter. But I'm going to go ahead and expand what you said to include baseball. Even during baseball season, even during a game that I'm watching, stop live tweeting the freaking game. I'm <laughs> watching it. it. I'm watching it. I can see what's going on. And for the person that isn't watching it, they're not going to come back three hours later and scroll through your feed. And this is the worst part about it. I feel like every tweet should have some context to it. So if you want to say, like, I'll do this during games. I'll sum it up and say, you know, three really good innings by Justin Verlander three hits, you know, six strikeouts, looks good. Try to have some context, you know, who I'm talking about, what I'm talking about. It's these tweets that go, like, that was a really nice pitch there. What? Like, that? when I go back to that six hours from now, I have no idea what you're talking about. Who threw the pitch? Who was it thrown to? What inning were we in? What what pitch was it? A curve? A slider? What was it? Yeah, say the 2-1 curveball from Blaine Hardy to Bryce Harper was unhittable. You know, right. something like that. Right. Well, there's a problem on the field now. I have no idea what that means, and I really don't care, because if I need to, I'll go back and watch the highlight reel. Stop it. And the next level is the people that are tweeting games that were like three days ago. <laughs> that is the worst. Like, oh, I went and got the replay, and now I'm live tweeting this game that, like... Yeah, if you're not watching it live, just just stop. No, and really you should have watched it. it live. Problem on the field to me is always an animal on the field. Whether that's the case or not, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> I love animals on the field. Remember when we had that black squirrel? It was like yes. the rally squirrel. The rally squirrel, which... Uh, I love shenanigans. <laughs> I believe that about you. Did you know that mm-hmm. uh, Don Kelly t-shirts did a shirt for that, the rally squirrel? They should have. I mean, yeah. They it did. was like a thing for maybe three or four whole days. Yeah, at least... <laughs> That that's a Twitter eternity. <laughs> By the time the shirt was shipped to you, it's already not a it's, thing. It's <laughs> already way old. That meme will live on because of the shirt that I wear that nobody's going to get again because zero context. None. Well, I think that is just about going to do it for another episode of The Voice of the Turtle. Jordan, Eric, any final comments? Nope. Thanks for having us. It was fun. Everything is wonderful. Thank you. 
I believe it. And you guys helped make it a little more wonderful. Seriously, you guys saved my ass on this because, like I said, I, I did fly a solo podcast last year when Rob went on vacation. And it was just me by myself in a room with a laptop talking to nobody. And I wanted to slip my wrists afterwards. Like, it made me question every decision in my life up to that point. <laughs> so... All right, remember, we're only one half of this conversation, and you're the other half. So leave your comments for us at the website at blushyboys.com. Find me on Twitter at hookslidebyb, or send us an email at bybtigers at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Podcastianos at podcastianos.com. Get in touch with Jordan or Eric on Twitter. That's at jordanhall23 and at Eric. And uh, as long as you're not doing anything, go ahead and just uh, rate and review both of our shows on iTunes. That would be great. Would love it. So, on behalf of Jordan, Eric, and a pantsless Rob Rojacki, this is Hookslide, reminding you to occasionally check the freezer for forgotten meat. That stuff does not keep forever, man. We'll see you next time on The Voice of the Turtle. <laughs>